short, but that's one extreme of self-maximization. And on the other end is self-sacrifice. The very experts who study human behavior, when they studied the Amish and how they were able to forgive in the midst of deep pain, this is what they offered about how people see forgiveness and why so many people were struggling that the Amish, that the Emmanuel Amy Church, that relatives of that 26-year-old encounter, how were they so quick to forgive? The authors wrote this, that forgiveness is seen as self-hating, and revenge and anger will be seen as more authentic, an upside-down culture. As long as you do not let the anger become too unpleasant for your inner psychological well-being, this is what the experts authored in the study of the Amish people is to live in a culture where, where anger and revenge is the new thing. And we were forgiving as a form of self-hate. Through the parables, Jesus is using these stories to give us entrance into the kingdom of heaven, to give us entrance into the kingdom of God. And he's giving us a preview of what life is like there and, and how we are to live and how we to, how we to navigate issues of life and the challenges of life and in Matthew 18 Jesus is teaching a parable on forgiveness and what he's teaching is, is so clear to be contrary to what the culture of this world promotes which is anger which is vengeance which is revenge Jesus has just finished teaching his disciples and it's important to note that this parable is spoken to his disciples his, his team this is not one disciple to the multitudes. This is, these are people who know the heart of Jesus, who are the closest to him. He's teaching them. He's giving them preview entrance into the kingdom of heaven. And in Matthew 18, he's just finished talking about conflict and how to handle conflict. And where there was a three-step plan that Jesus taught about principles of, of handling conflict. Hey, if someone offends you, go have a conversation face-to-face with that person. Don't blast them on social media. Don't put them out there in front of others face-to-face with them. Hey, if that doesn't work, try that again, but this time bring one or two people with you. Sometimes an outside perspective helps. And hey, if that doesn't work, next time bring a spiritual authority into the conversation. Maybe that'll work. After this conversation, the disciple his name is Peter. Peter's known for putting his foot in his mouth. Famous. Again, is about to do the same thing. He's going to make a comment where he's going to kind of boast of his own ability to forgive. But Jesus doesn't respond by giving more principles. He responds by teaching a parable. A parable on forgiveness. So Matthew 18, verse 21, right after this teaching on conflict, Peter speaks these words. He says, Lord, how often should I forgive someone who sins against me? Seven times. No. Not seven times, Jesus replied, but 70 times seven. The cultural norm and what even the rabbis taught was that it was normalized for a person to ask forgiveness to someone three times. You were required to ask forgiveness or to give forgiveness three times, right? And, and Peter is saying, hey, I'm, I'm good for seven, Jesus. I'm going to double that plus one. Uh, does that impress you? And, and to Jesus, he's like, nope, that doesn't impress me. Because in my kingdom, kingdom of heaven. You see, that, that's, that's the values of, of the culture, of religion. We'll say, you know, three is required, seven would be 
my sinfulness, our sinfulness has put us in a debtor position that we could never repay God. We'll never be able to repay Him. The older translations refer to an amount called talents. Talents were, were a measure of money, and in some translations, it says that this debtor owed the king 10,000 talents. In the Greek number system, 10,000 is the largest number, and it's as high as it would go, right? And the talent is the highest measure. So then Jesus lyrically is speaking through hyperbole. He's saying, look, this amount that this man owed the king would never be able to be paid back in the natural life. I mean, never. Like, it would take literally hundreds of thousands of years of salary to pay back this amount. So it was not like some legal works in OTI. You know, do a deal here or there, trade in some stocks, you know, balance some numbers, put the books at work, whatever. There was nothing that this man could do, absolutely nothing, zero, that would allow him to pay back this debt. It was millions upon millions of dollars. This teaches us that we are that person. I've heard people say, you know, I'm a good person. I mean, I mean, God couldn't really be mad at me. I mean, I sin maybe, you know, once or twice a day. You know, you take sins of commission, or you commit sins, and you can take sins of omission, but you don't do something in obedience, which is sin before the eyes of God, too. If you took your thoughts and your words and your actions and the ideas that run through your head, I, I would beg to differ that you're probably sitting at one to two sins today. But let's say for some reason you were. Okay, let's say you were at one to two sins a day. This man here had a family. We could say that he was a middle-aged man. Let's put him at 40 years old. Well, this man was 40 years old, and he had sinned just twice a day, you know, for his whole life. He would be at well over 25,000 sins for his lifetime. 25,000 sins in front of a holy, righteous God is not going to work. You are not a good enough person. Listen, friends, you're about to be the first step to understanding forgiveness is to know that you were once indebted to God in a debt that you had no way of paying back ever, no matter how good you were. This servant knows he's in debt. And I cannot pay back the king. Verse 26, this is what the man says. The man fell down before his master and begged him, please be patient with me. I will repay all of it. Then his master was filled with pity for him. And he released him and forgave the debt. Something amazing happens. This servant went squat. You know, this was not only um, um, paying back money that he had borrowed. He had squandered everything. Not only was he unable to pay back the debt, but the money that he had borrowed from the king he had squandered. So he had failed like on two different levels. He had failed in responsibility to, to do well with what he had. And he had failed with the, uh, the responsibility of paying back the initial payment. I mean, this man had messed up twice, but he falls on his knees and he begs for forgiveness. And the king filled with mercy. This translation says pity releases him from the debt. What is Jesus teaching us in this parable? Jesus is teaching us that to forgive, to forgive, you must know that through Jesus, God forgives our crazy thinking. That when Jesus died on the cross, the debt of your sin that you owed before a righteous God, a 
pays it off. Pays it all. The good news of this parable, church, is that we are invited. Remember, parables are an invitation. You are invited to be a recipient of this forgiveness. That means whatever debt you came in here with, and I'm not talking about the debt you owe for your car note or your mortgage or your alimony. I'm not talking about that talking about the debt of your sin, the debt of your soul. I'm talking about the wrongs that you've done. I'm talking about no matter how far you think you've been from God, today in this word, you see an invitation from Jesus' very words to come in and participate and receive this forgiveness, to receive this debt cancellation. This is the same forgiveness that Paul writes about in Ephesians 1 where he says, that God is so rich in his kindness and grace. You see, God is not in the business of giving free passes. Hey, forgiveness comes with the cost. And the cost of your forgiveness was, was a man who hung on a cross for you, whose body was broken for you. That forgiveness came with a cost. But God was so rich in his kindness and his grace that he purchased our freedom. And here's the cost, friends. Here's the price of your forgiveness. It's not the forgiveness came with the price, the blood of His Son. Would you want to forgive us our sins? He has shown over His kindness on us, along with all wisdom and understanding. Total debt cancellation. Not the way the world cancels debt. You know, there's, there, there's a lot of debt cancellation in the world of financial institutions. You see commercials, you'll see uh, uh, systems that will show you how to get your debt canceled. And I'm not talking about a program where you work to pay down your debt. I'm talking about people who look at those somewhere and say, hey, uh, I want you to cancel all of my financial debt. You know, pay down. I'll take it. People are hungry for debt, financial debt cancellation. But even though things aren't always as they seem, I have some headlines here where they say, my debt forgiveness isn't what it seems. There's always a catch. Comes to that forgiveness. Yeah, you might have some things that will erase from you, but there will always be something that you're going to have to be back in. It's not what it seems. Never told us the word debt forgiveness sounds. Without someone, my debt forgiveness is not as forgiving as it looks. And people are finding, wow, this is not as forgiving as it looks, but praise God that the forgiveness that Jesus gives you is total sin. Someone who owes a 
person didn't do anything wrong. It wasn't that bad. Let's not pretend like it didn't hurt what they did. No, that's not what forgiveness is. Forgiveness is not excusing the hurt and the pain that was caused against you. But forgiveness is maintaining a posture of forgiveness, even if you're rejected. Look at how Jesus when he was on the cross and he looked at them and he said, Father, forgive them, for they do not know what they're doing. They didn't stop the crucifixion after Jesus said that. They didn't say, oh, he forgave us, let's bring him down. No, they continued the job until he was dead. And sometimes when you forgive, you will be rejected. But it's, it's not excusing the, the actions of the other person, but it's guarding your heart from becoming bitter and becoming hard. Forgiveness isn't excusing. Forgiveness isn't forgetting. Saying, forgive and forget. I don't believe so. Forgiveness isn't forgetting. It's not condoning and letting people get away with what they're doing to you. It's you letting go of the pain and the hurt and putting it into God's hands to do the work of healing and restoring. So forgiveness is not forgetting. Forgiveness isn't.